welcome to this edition of our Nexus podcast from St. James's Church. My name is Christoph Lindner and today we're going to talk about our Love Africa initiative. And I'm here together with three other people, sat around a dining table, cosily hunching around a microphone. And we want to see where we've got to with our Love Africa project, which is really an, an initiative to help those who live with the um, poverty caused by the HIV AIDS pandemic. And Martin Williams is here on my left. Martin is the Associate Minister at St. James. And Martin, you really were quite instrumental in getting Love Africa off the ground. And before we look at the specifics, it would be great to just recap. What was it that grabbed your attention? How did it all happen that you said, here's something we need to do as a local church? I think I'd have to ask the, answer that question on a personal level, even though as a church, for some time we had recognised that, that, that uh, we needed to think more deeply about how we engage with poverty, not just locally, but around the world. But personally, it mainly um, came about when I was asked to preach about poverty at a Nexus service. And uh, by the time I'd finished preaching, I realised that God had gripped my heart about this issue in a way that I really wasn't expecting. And then uh, sometime around that same year, I saw an interview that was done with Bono, who was the lead singer of U2, who's very involved in uh, work against poverty, and particularly poverty caused by HIV and AIDS. And in that interview, um, he talked as a Christian and said, I've never had a problem with Jesus Christ, but I've had lots and lots of problems with the church. Mm. And he was talking about um, how the church can and should mobilise as one of the most important um, organisations to actually make, make a dent in this pandemic. And I think those would be the two things that combine to really conspire to get me uh, to a place where I just thought we just have to do something about this as a church. And um, overall, it was God's timing in the end, because uh, the church family, as we know, has responded in the most amazing way. And we seem to have a lot of momentum behind Love Africa now, which is really exciting. Yeah. So fast forward probably a couple of years now, and as you say, the church family has responded to our call to do something in this area. I think we've got around uh, £200,000 donated already to make a difference. Um, if someone who has never heard about our Love Africa initiative asked you, explain in a nutshell, what is Love Africa about? How would you explain it to them? Um, I think I'd say two simple things. I would say the single biggest contributor to the growth in worldwide poverty is the impact of HIV and AIDS and the organisation with the greatest potential to do something about it at the local level and for a long period of time is the local church because when all the aid agencies have gone home and they think they've finished their work the local church will still be there and so Love Africa is about seeing how we can mobilise both the UK and uh, church in, in this side of the world but also the church in Africa to help those who are living with HIV and AIDS in a way that will last and bear fruit uh, over a, a generation or more. Hmm. That'd probably be about it, I think. Hmm. And as you already mentioned, we're very um, keen that we build relationships from local church to local churches. And as, as St. James Church, we therefore have from the beginning said we want to send teams down who experience firsthand what the situation is like and which projects we want to support. We want to get to know the people on the ground. And therefore, we are together here with two people, two members of St. James, who very recently actually went down to Uganda and saw firsthand the situation there. And uh, we've got here Wendy Blinko and Freddie Jones. And you two went out quite recently, about three, four weeks ago, 
to go down to Uganda with a team of six people, I think. And um, you had about a week to get fully immersed in that situation to see some projects firsthand. And before we look at any specifics, I would love to ask both of you, Wendy, you first perhaps, coming back, having processed your impressions for about three weeks or so, are there one or two things that have stayed with you, things that have left a deep impression with you coming back from Uganda? And for me personally, it was what it was that church mobilisation, the 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 essence of people being the salt and the light of Christ, and actually extending out their hands to offer care and love and support to people who weren't just Christian, people within their community. I mean, there were stories of people who were sort of Muslim who. Um, people had physically gone and nursed and bathed and looked after and fed. And I guess what that's that's done for me is that it's it's made me realise that I sit in a comfort zone here at St James. Mm. And how many times do I extend my hand? How many times am I salt and light? And how many times have I gone alongside somebody in Slough who's a you know a, living on the streets and sat with them and fed them and clothed them and got to know them and then had the opportunity to tell them about Christ which is what which is what we saw mm. firsthand out there so for me although there was a lot of poverty there was this amazing gift of living Christ's life and that for me was absolutely core and fundamental to mm. to to this mobilization mm, it's amazing yeah, right Freddie lasting memories lasting memories uh, for me I think are some of the uh, quite amazing contrast that you get in in Africa and Uganda um, from the amazing beauty the depth of the green the, uh, the you know the the vegetation and the deep orangey brown soil just a natural beauty there a natural beauty of smiling Africans and yet contrast that with the devastation of poverty poverty and uh, the, the absolutely uh, horrendous uh, living conditions that, that some people are in living so you know the two sitting next to one another um <clears throat> i think the sheer scale of it if you look at the the, the map of africa and then uganda is kind of like a postage stamp on on that uh, continent and we seem to spend a week traveling and we kind of did one perforation of that postage stamp mm. And yet, everywhere we went, there was just not need, and there was pain, and there was just it was just overwhelming in terms of the scale of of, of kind of the uh, the issues there, um, which which takes an awful lot to try and get your mind around. Um, and then I think um, probably picking up from from Wendy's point, the sense that that we met people who, I suppose, in simple terms, had nothing, absolutely nothing, and yet people who had nothing were giving everything. And I found that uh, amazingly uh, a humbling experience in terms of, you know, mine and our relative position from where we sit here. And then also probably the most tangible thing that I had is that we, we sat under a tree once with, a, with some village elders um, talking through a translator. So uh, I couldn't speak this particular Af African dialect and they couldn't speak English. And Although he does speak a number of other ones. <laughs> yeah, right, you do. this particular, that's right. <laughs> Well-travelled Jones. But uh, they, um, what I had was this real sense of a, a tangible unity, that we were part of God's family, that we were all God's family. And although we couldn't speak, right, you could just... It was there. You, it was so tangible that we were just 
part of this big family, separated by millions, you know, of, of, of different facets, you know, uh, time and distance and language and all these type of things. And yet there we are, all God's family. And, and so that sense of kind of be able to have a basis from which to build really deep relationships, which I, I, I think is, is got to be part of the foundation of Love Africa, is it was kind of be one of my lasting memories. Mm. You've both already touched on what... Um how the visit has impacted you personally. You've gone down as Christians who say, I want to make a difference as a Christian in this terrible situation. Um, how does it impact your faith as a Christian, seeing some of this, these tragedies, thinking how can we possibly help, but also seeing some of the positive sides? We are part of the same family. Um, has it changed your outlook on faith and how you live your life as a Christian already coming back from there? Only that it's been a really big challenge. I mean, mm. you know, I mean, it's easy to extend a gesture of love and, and support and kindness to people that you know and like and, and are involved with. But I think it's, it's really difficult to sort of... It does make you question your own values and your own your own really Christian ethos mm. if you if you have to come out of that comfort zone and think, you know, in this situation, what would I do? I mean, we heard stories of, of um, you know, people who were saving girls who were in prostitution. And, you know, rather than actually see these girls suffer, um, they were prostituting because they needed the money to, to feed themselves and children, people were actually bringing them out of these areas and actually bringing them home with them. And, you know, I think that takes tremendous courage you know I, I I would probably sort of wonder about oh you know am I doing the right thing and is it going to be the right thing with my family and and, th and there was no question of that it was these people need support and help the only way that we're going to get them out of prostitution is to bring them into our own home and mm. to feed them and clothe them and love them in the same way that if they were a family member mm. and and that's that's true Christianity that's when all said and done it's it's what Christ would have done he he wouldn't have questioned whether it was the right thing to do he would have he would have done it. And I think that's, for me, the big challenge. It's very easy to say you're a Christian, but actually living it is, yeah. is much more yeah. difficult. One of the projects that we're hoping to support um, over the long haul is this children's home in uh, the place called Kakira, which is on a sugar plantation. And the pastor there, Pastor Nicholas and his wife, um, they have hardly any income of their own. They have children of their own. They've also taken in children who um, they couldn't, for whatever reason, help within the the children's home that they have. And um, they told us that what they do is they they tithe what income they have back to the children's home. They then spend extra money that, that they can find on the needs for the children in the children's home because they, they don't even have enough food for the week. And then they pray that God will give them enough money to educate their own children, one of whom is actually working in the children's home. And it was just really quite extraordinary to think well all that's from virtually nothing anyway so the levels of sacrifice the levels of selflessness and love <coughs> that were involved in that attitude actually working itself out were just like years away from anything that I could put my hand up to mm. and it's deeply deeply challenging because they are completely reliant on on God and I kept thinking of that phrase uh, I once heard, I think it was from a refugee that came out of um, former Yugoslavia, that I didn't know Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. And we were just, day after day, we were meeting people who were, who were living that out. Mm. And it was hugely challenging. And 
really, even now, you know, day by day, it makes me think about how I, how I live out my faith. Mm. Mm. And I think one, one thing I'd add as well is that, to, you know, picking up some of the aspects of James's talk on, on Sunday about uh, the parable... That's Jesus James Leach. James, oh, yeah. Training um, pastor. Talking about, um, you know, that parable where, where kind of some of the, the, the corn grows up and then it's choked by um, uh, thorns and things like that. And for me, that, that just really resonates in terms of... The, the, there's a lot more clarity in terms of, of, of decisions that people make in, in Africa in the projects we saw. You know, it isn't complicated there's a, because, the, the, you know, it isn't that complicated because of, the, you know, the circumstances and, and the way that people approach issues. And I think that one of our tents in the thing that I've been challenged on is how we overcomplicate things and we get all these thorny issues that just creep in and weave in and it kind of, mm. what would I think about that and what about this and what about structure and what about process and what about policy and, you know, just get on and do it, mm. you know, yeah. just get on and get some of this stuff fixed mm. and, oh, well, Africa will never be fixed because it's too big a problem and it's mm. too political and it's too corrupt and stuff like that. And there's all, you know, there's all these obstacles, all these barriers, all these things that just going to stop us. Right. And these are just all these thorns that are just growing mm. up to kind of mm. cloud the issue. And, and I think, you know, this is an hour, three weeks down, it's a dispassionate, it's not an emotional response to certain, some of the things I saw. I just think it, to, to get, have a less cluttered thinking, to have a lot more clear view in terms of getting on and doing stuff to support people. Because a small amount of money or a small initiative, it's more what we think is insignificant, makes a massive difference. Yes. And that's a contribution. Yes. Now, one thing we were quite clear on from early on, this is not the first visit that we've made to Uganda, and we wanted to be very clear that we don't get into any situation where we do what some people would call um, charity tourism. So you people didn't just go down to get an impression of what's happening there and to be impacted, but I think I'm right in saying you have committed yourself to being part of this Love Africa project and to come back and to continue to be involved with it. Martin, what are we doing? I, I remember very vividly when Patrick Dixon from Asset UK came to talk to us at St. James. He said to us, don't go down the road of charity tourism. Don't spend thousands of pounds to, to, to fly down there to take a trip round. Invest the money in the projects on the ground. Now, you've just taken six people down in January to see the situation on the ground. But we are clear this is not charity tourism. Mm. So what are we doing to make sure this is not just another adventure holiday mm. with a bit of a social component? That's a good question. Uh, there's another team going out in March as well, and we should be asking the same question about them. Um, right from the very beginning, our relationship with Tear Fund um, in the UK and with Asset Uganda, which is their centre of best practice over in Uganda for the whole of East Africa, um, our, our approach has been about building relationships. Um, we spoke to um, a pastor in one of the churches we visited on the Sunday morning when we were in Kampala, and uh, we were talking about what we were thinking of doing and how we were hoping to help um, people living with HIV and AIDS. And the pastor said, um, so many people uh, come and look once, then they start throwing money at us mm. and they think that we're going to be able to cope with that. What we need more than anything is people to walk alongside us so that we know that they really care and that, that the unity and fellowship we have in Christ is a real part of, of uh, what goes to help people who are living with HIV and AIDS. So the short answer to the question is we went to build relationship mm. and we went to build relationship across a team of, as you say, six people who have a real heart to 
um, be part of Love Africa in some way in the future. And I have this abiding memory of Robert Suter, who was also on our team, um, saying goodbye to a lady called Edith, who was um, running one of the big projects that we're hoping to support. And we all hugged her to say goodbye. And I've got this amazing picture of Robert holding on to Edith because he didn't want to let go of her because the, the, the impact of meeting her and seeing what she was doing was clearly something that, that was going to abide in him for a long, long time. And also remember Nigel, Nigel Young was on our team. And we had this wonderful opportunity to in, introduce ourselves every time, everywhere we met, with these long introductions they have in Africa with singing and food and all the rest of it. And Nigel used to say, um, well, first he used to say, hello, my name is Nigel. That's very easy to say, which of course in Uganda it's very difficult to say. Um, and then he used to say, I'm sitting here and um, there are another hundred people who would like to be sitting here as well as me. And they're my church family back at home. Mm. And he had this real sense of us representing the St. James Church family in this relationship building process, which even after the second visit of, of meeting some of these people just for the second time, um, the bonds of, of love we have with those people is just extraordinary already. And that will be the real heartbeat of the help we give them in the long term. Mm-hmm. And so it really is all about building relationship. And uh, we can't all go down there. We would all, I would love, I would love it for the whole church family to go down there in a, a huge great Airbus and, and go and meet all these amazing people. Um, but as representative of the St. James Church family and um, needing to have a number of people that have had the experience of building that relationship, hence the, the visit in March as well, so that when we get proposals and we help with funding or, or sending out skills or other resources, we actually know who we're sending it to, not just what we're sending it to. Hmm. And one thing I'd, I'd add to that is that certainly as the week went on, I had a, a real uh, challenge with as you described, this kind of charitable tourism. We were getting out of this little bus and mm. seeing these different projects and people in desperate circumstances and then waving goodbye and getting back into our little bus again and off we go. And, and it really weighed very heavily with me uh, as, as the week progressed. And I talked to um, David, who's the director of Asset, and I kind of said, look, you know, I've got a real challenge with this. And he said, don't underestimate the significance and the importance that you're making to the folk that you visit, how encouraged they are, the fact that you've driven all the way up a mountain and travel thousands of miles to see what they do. Mm. Yes. It is so important. Mm. And so that, for me, melted that, that sense away. And, and, and you're right, but, you know, it's not appropriate, and, and, and nor it should be for lots and lots and lots of people to go. But at the same time, we shouldn't underestimate it through relationships, just to come alongside somebody, to kind of put your arm around, just mm. to pray with somebody and just to encourage them uh, in, in what they're doing and it uh, you know for one particular group of people it just uh, you know it was just evident they were just so yes. encouraged by us just physically being there that um, reminds me of a song by the Watoto Children's Choir which is I Am Not Forgotten mm. and uh, I was just thinking of that when you said this is so important for them to know we are not forgotten the song goes on actually I'm not forgotten because Jesus knows my name mm. But I guess for them, it's a tangible way of seeing mm. Jesus knows my name. I'm not forgotten mm. because you guys have come all the way to say we care about you. Mm. And we don't just want to see and go away again, but we want to support you over the mm. long term. Having mentioned the Watota Children's Choir, at St. Mm. James Church, we've got a quite uh, long-standing relationship with the Watota Children's Choir, which is a ministry by Kampala Pentecostal Church in mm. Uganda. A wonderful work amongst orphans, AIDS, HIV orphans, They've been over to St. James three times now to do concerts. And some members of the church family, actually, that was their door into caring about the whole AIDS orphan uh, situation because they hosted 
Watoto children for a day, for two days, for two nights, while they were doing their concerts here. And that, was, that made a huge impact on them. Um, amongst other things, you also visited Watoto Childcare Ministries there in Uganda. Wendy, what are your abiding memories of that? Gorgeous children, actually. <laughs> and this one little sweetie pie who just clung on to me. I mean, I mean, that was just one of the highlights. I mean, there were some beautiful children, but I think... The thing that was amazing, which, which, which came across, was that these children actually had a future. They had mm. a hope, they had a strong belief, and they had a future. And that was because they were, they were being well-schooled, they had the opportunity to, to learn skills, they knew they were loved, um, they knew Christ loved them, and, and it was just an amazingly well-run, beautiful place and to be honest mm. with you they were the lucky they were the lucky orphans yes. the lucky mm. children they didn't have parents but they had so much else and they will go on to fulfill the dreams of you know of becoming presidents or becoming mm. important people because they've got that that sort of basis that knowledge that they are loved and that that they can do anything you know and, and they were it was an amazing place it was beautiful the houses mm. were lovely the children were proud of their environment and it was just, yeah. it was all inspiring actually. I remember, incredible. Martin, when you came back, it was the morning after you'd flown back and you just reported back raw, fresh from the journey about your experience to the staff team on Tuesday morning. Mm. And there was one moment when you told us about the difference between the kinds of projects you saw, those people up in the mountains who think they might have been forgotten by the world, mm. and the children at Watoto, mm. who are like... I think you said something like it was like a vision of heaven or something. Can you just <clears throat> recap that a little bit yeah. for us? I think one of, the, one of the things that happened with our visit was that the schedule we had originally was that we would see Vototo on the Monday we arrived, the first day we arrived. We didn't actually see them until the end of the week in the end. And that was really a, a great thing that God did because um, the comparison between this, this, this vision of heaven of, you know, clipped green grass, beautiful buildings, um, little signs all over the lawns about how to live the Christian life, children that were spontaneously able to run up to you and give you a hug, which was a new experience for us because so many of the children we met, there was just no way they would do that because they were just too broken in, in their own lives. Um, the contrast between that and the other projects we, we visited and the ones that we were supporting was enormous. And on the one hand, it made me think, gosh, this is what every... Uh, orphaned child um, deserves. You know, they deserve that kind of hope that Wendy was talking about and that kind of um, dream that, that may become a reality to be a leader one day. And yet, literally an hour down the road, we'd been in the, the Jumani Children's Home where the roof had recently blown off. There weren't any loos. Um, they were about to take on 20 more children. They had absolutely no money. Uh, the children weren't going to school. They didn't had five days of food out of seven. And yet... The model that the pastor was dreaming of was very similar to what Watoto had achieved, yes. but it had taken Watoto 15 years to get there. And what was wonderful for me about meeting the Watoto guys was they are very generous of heart. Mm. And the guy that showed us around, um, we were just amazed by what they've achieved. But he said, we want to help other people by sharing our experiences, by partnering pastors in the, in the West with pastors in Africa. We want to run a conference for that. Um, can you bring some of the people that need our help to us? And therefore, what we discovered and why it was so great to have visited them was that they have a very generous heart to share what God has taught them. They're not asking us to help them. 
we, it'd be great if we can. Um, but actually what they said to me was, we don't really need you as much as you need us because we can see what you're trying to do and we really want to help you with that. Mm. And I would, I would say to anyone who's going to be thinking about engaging with Love Africa over the next six months or so, whether it's as a family or as a couple or as an individual, by, and by all means, if you have a connection with Batoto, they would love to see you. Um, but just remember that what we're trying to do is reach the poorest of the poor, uh, the people who, um, who haven't um, begun that 15-year building process yet, so that one day they too can share um, the, the amazing things that God has done in and through them, just like Watoto. And the relationship we can have with Watoto will, will be symbiotic in a way that hopefully will be really God-honouring. And um, that was a real eye-opener for us. Mm-hmm. So um, Watoto won't be one of the core projects we will be supporting because they are well-supported, they have lots of experience, we can learn from them. I think we've said, as Love Africa, we are trying to identify probably five or six core projects which we want to support medium-term, so they have planning security, they can actually start to put a process in place. Some of these projects, I guess, had never the hope of getting funding, so they haven't even started to think about what they could do if the money were there to do something. Um, And we're we're very much in that process of of, uh, identifying those projects. If someone, especially from the family of the two St. James, says, what can I do now and what can I do over the course maybe of the year 2008 to actually get involved, to support this? What can they do? How can they get involved? Not everyone can travel down to Uganda. We said already that's not the aim. That's not the point. But I guess there are various options how we as a church family can support this this initiative. Um. Well, I can keep that one off, but I know Wendy and Freddie have got views on that. I think the first thing I would say is if you haven't educated yourself in a sense um, and got your head around some of the the issues that go along with Love Africa, um, there are books to read, there's material to look at, there are videos we produced. Um, Have a a chance to to think about what actually is going on here. Um, and then the second thing is that uh, we identified six key areas where people can get involved. And as soon as the projects are up and running and they're, they're actually flowing resources towards, we're flowing resources towards the projects, then those six key areas we, we hope to get up and running. And those key areas are prayer, uh, mobilising prayer for particular projects, particular people um, as a church, um, encouragement. Um, as Freddie said earlier, we shouldn't undervalue that the... the uh, the impact of encouragement, whether it's a letter, an email, a gift box, a bundle of clothes, it doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. just um, a tremendous sense of, of people, people being encouraged. Um, sharing our skills is another big factor. Mm-hmm. A lot of the projects we visited said they've got big skills gaps. Can we help them with um, writing basic plans, um, human resource planning, getting up um, decent budgeting systems, just thinking strategically rather than day to day? And there's massive opportunities coming up over the next 12 months for that to happen. Um, the other key area is going to be funding, obviously. Um, if people haven't taken the opportunity to think and pray about giving to Love Africa, then I would really encourage them to do that. Um, there's still an opportunity to do that because the Love Africa Fund is an ongoing open fund that we want to continue to grow and, and use. And the final area is, is what we're calling advocacy, which is how do you, um, we as a church, encourage our local community to get involved and how do we encourage other churches to get involved? And that's something as well that as we go up our own learning curve, uh, we hope to be able to encourage the community at large um, to engage with mm. with this stuff in a way that perhaps unlike giving money to Comic Relief, they can actually see where the money goes or take the opportunity to visit projects and, and give their skills and their time so they can actually see that it's making a difference. Mm. 
but uh, Wendy and uh, Freddie have got other, other thoughts as well, I'm sure. Oh, I mean, it may be. I mean, I think, I mean, for me, going back to what we were talking about earlier is, and this is where these particular areas are so important, is that that it, this is not about us as a church doing something for other churches. This is about us running alongside our Christian brothers and sisters. And mm. that the thing that, that, that everywhere we went, people said, you know, please pray for me. And mm. I have remembered the names of some of those people, but appallingly, I've also forgotten some mm. of them. But I know when I pray, I can say to God, you know, um, could you, I'm praying for this, you know, the chap who really wanted to be a teacher and I really... So there's that real sort of human connection, really. And I think when you've actually been alongside somebody and you've talked to them and you've heard their story, you can't you can't walk away from them. You can't let them go. I mean, they'll stay... I mean, there was this amazing guy um, called Joseph who actually was the interpreter when we were sitting under the mango tree that <laughs> Freddie was talking about earlier, and he spoke 13 different languages. And, you know, he'd, he was a little boy when his sponsor died, so he... Um, was pulled out of school. His father died two months later, leaving him with nine brothers and sisters and a, and a mother. And against amazing odds, he had crept into the back of the churches, listening to some of these lectures that were going on about this church mobilisation, teaching people how they can take responsibility for themselves, that they, they don't have to rely on other people and aid and charity to, to decide what they need. It was about looking at your own resources. It was about looking at how you went about doing things, finding the right places to... To, to get the support and then actually mobilising it and doing it, which is why this whole idea of mobilisation is so amazing because it means it empowers people to actually make their own decisions and choose what it is that they need, not what an outside agency think they need. But the long and the short of it was he knew when they were talking about resources that he had four chickens and, and sort of borrowed a cockerel off a friend and then paid him back with two chicks because he had no money and... And then appallingly, his uncle um, was killed by the LRA, his, his um, Lord's Resistance Army, and his oldest son had had to, to unfortunately undertake that. So he then was um, very disturbed by it. So he then had taken on you know, these four extra children, one of whom sat under a tree for most of the day because he was so disturbed by the death. And yet, when I spoke to him, I said, you know, where do you see your future? Where, where do you... How do you see this sort of going? And he just said you know, God has provided for me so far and I know he will continue to provide. And I said, what is it that you, what is it that you know that you need? And he said, well, if I could have an incubator, I could incubate 120 eggs so I don't have to have my hen sitting on them. And that means that then I'm, I'm releasing the chickens to do something else and I can sell them. And, and I'd actually really like to have a pair of guinea fowl. And you can't, you know, when you've heard somebody's story, you've heard that his brother, you know, three of his brothers were taken by the Liberation Army to be child soldiers, two of which were murdered, one, they still don't know where he was. He's still got this amazing belief and trust and faith in God. He still knows that his prayers will be answered. And he just said, will you pray for me? And how can I not? You know, he's, he's a real person. He's with a real story. And... You know, as a church, if we if we actually really believe that we can come alongside brothers and sisters, that these are not just projects, these are individual people that, well, I, I'm wittering on, but I can't let go. And, you know, and that's, that's I think, the difference now. It's the fact that this is not just a project. This yes. is about human beings. And mm-hmm. that's... And that's that's the fundamental difference, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I think I'd, I'd, I'd 
I, I add to that in, in a small way in, in that when we look, we went to one of the first projects we went to was at the children's uh, home, which was, you know, different schools have thought about this, but it's appropriate for that particular, you know, set of circumstances, which, which I won't sort of go into now. But um, for me, you know, being met by 65 big smiley faces was one thing. But then uh, towards the end, um, Sue uh, Gillespie, who was also on the trip, uh, um, suggested that we, we just get each of the children to say their name into a camera so that we can start to kind of build relationships between the children in Promised Land um, and, uh, and, and those children there. And as they came up, one by one by one, suddenly the kind of lights went on for me or the mm. curtain was drawn and this wasn't just about a project anymore. Mm. These, are, these are, you know, people with names and feelings and stories and 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 that's really where I, I think for me the kind of journey w- w- began in terms of understanding this is about the strength of relationships that we can build and what I would say and I think it is important that Love Africa is not just a kind of here today gone tomorrow this is a long-term marathon and I think that um, that's probably the most important thing to, for me to kind of express that you know you think well I'm not sure what Love Africa's about and how to engage with them well just kind of learn there's lots of materials and there's lots of opportunity to talk to people and it's it may be a slow fuse process for some people but it's a long term uh, you know yeah. and this is a very long term and and that's how you know God has given us patience and uh, and also the ability to kind of you know have a bias to action to kind of get on and do stuff um and I think that through those that that that, that sense of longevity, that it's going to be a long-term project. Mm. That's where the real depth of relationships will come, and therefore some of the sea of confusion that may exist uh, in terms of how to get involved, what should I do, which project, and all that sort of stuff will just that'll just melt away because mm. kind of God will drive this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, you know it, that's where the relationships will really be forged. Mm. It's a long-term project, Martin, but people who are impatient may ask, what are the next steps? Mm. What's happening next? Um, I think we're all impatient. Um, and I often say to people, God was there before we got there and he'll be there long after we've gone. But somewhere in the midst of all this, we have got an opportunity to serve, as Freddie says, according to his timings. And also, um, you know, this is Africa. Um, <laughs> they say to us, you have watches, we have time. <laughs> um, and even though the needs we saw were, were huge and the the levels of gratitude we we um, experienced when we spoke to some other people and we talked to them about being able to support them uh, were enormous. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time because, as Freddie said, some of these people have never had funding streams before and they have literally been living hand-to-mouth and they've got to go through a major rethink about, well, how do we actually plan when we've never, ever planned before? Um, and... Uh, I would say we need to be patient um, and we need to just let God lead us into this. He's led us this far and he'll lead us through it. But in terms of next steps, specifically, um, we are hoping that by the end of March, at the latest, we will have proposals from six different projects. Um, and when we say projects, we mean organisations, that some of whom have a number of projects, but they're relationships that we want to build. And from those um, proposals, we will then start to be able to allocate funds and that a lot of that allocation will be on a three-year basis, as you were saying earlier, so that people can actually plan um, more than a kind of a year in advance. 
And then once you've made those commitments of funding and that funding starts to move through, then uh, we get the, with the help of Tier Fund, we'll get the monitoring and evaluation systems in place, which in some cases aren't going to be that complicated. That'd be quite simple. As Freddie says, we're not going to overcomplicate this. Um, if we're going to build a, a building or um, help finish a building or clothe some children, we don't need 25 page documents for it. We just need to get on and do it. And uh, once those projects are up and running and our contribution to those organisations is up and running and they're a complement to what Tier Fund are already doing or Asset are already doing in the first place, then those six key areas of, of building our, our Love Africa team at this end can really start to kick into action because we'll have a focus for prayer, a focus for encouragement, we'll have stories to tell to the local community and the wider church, we'll have um, specific funding going on, we'll have particular things we want to evaluate. And then once that, those, all those balls start rolling, as Freddie says, people will find their place. And both Tier Fund and Asset and, and uh, the original Love Africa team are very aware that this is a journey for us as a church. It's not a project. It's not even an initiative. It's actually a response to a call from God to say, here we are, send us. Mm. What is that going to look like? Well, it'll look very different for, for different families and different individuals. But if you put your hand up and say, here I am, send me, God will find you a place. It may not be exactly when you want it, but he'll find it. And it will be a life-changing thing. And so I would just encourage us as a church family to be patient, but to be very willing to have our hand, hold our hands up and see what God will do. Mm. Great. As we bring this to a close, maybe to pick up some of the thoughts we've had, um, this is about real people. This is about brothers and sisters who we want to come alongside. It would be great to wrap up if I may ask each of you to answer very briefly to give the St. James members, but also other people who listen to this, a real opportunity to pray for people. And let's just start maybe by each one of you to say one name, briefly mm. say who they are. And we can take those three names away and can say, we're going to pray for these people. Mm. A name that stands out for you and that you are praying for and that we could join in our prayers with. Um, Martin and I uh, went to see a project and I saw a lady called Jennifer who was dying of HIV and I'm not sure if she's still alive now. Um, so I'd want to pray for her and her four children who stood next to her bed uh, mm. as we prayed for her there in Uganda. Mm. Thank you. I would love people to pray for a girl, a woman called Marie, who's married to Pastor Nicholas, who runs the Chumani Children's Home. We met her for the first time and went out this time. She's an extraordinary woman. She's amazing. And she carries with her husband on their broad shoulders a, a huge vision for um, helping the poorest children who are suffering from the effects of HIV and AIDS to get a future. And they're starting from the bottom up. You know, they're just scraping around for enough food week by week and day by day. And she is an incredible woman. And I just love to be continually praying for her because... Um, She's an extraordinary support to Pastor Nicholas. Yeah. Martin's just stolen the person. But no, it's okay. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, Edith was somebody who was amazing as well. I mean, she, she was such an inspiring woman. And Tell um, us a bit about her um, for those who've never met her. Um, she's, she runs, um, I can't remember the exact name, it's the Women's... Uganda Women's Concern Ministry. That's right. And she's <laughs> larger than life in, you know, just the biggest, smiliest voluptuous woman who throws her arms around you and just loves you I mean she's incredible and she's really doing amazing things with these people up in mm. the up in the hills and and it's just really 
incredible. You know, she's just so inspirational. Um, so yes, I guess I mean you know if Ed- I mean Edith's work is amazing, and I have mm. no doubt that with with continual prayer for her, she will just continue to to make her her projects grow and yeah. grow and succeed as well. I, I'd just like to add that. Um, that, that I, I think when you kind of look at Africa and the problems of corruption and things like that and the size of the issues kind of, you know, might a thought occur that, um, you know, what can we do and, you know, isn't this money going to be wasted and all that type of thing. And, and you know, I, I think that we've got to recognise, I think as Martin was saying earlier, that we're on a journey, a long-term journey, and we're learning as a church family mm. and there will be mistakes that are made and we've got to... Sh- pray that we will kind of have this umbrella of grace over the whole of love africa and we will just journey together um but but that we can start in in a small way where small amounts of money will make a significant difference and kind of go through the proper due diligence and all that sort of stuff you know to kind of make sure that that you know we have wise heads in terms of where we put our resources and our efforts and things but to put it into context is that we just start one person at a time Mm. and then just build from there Mm. absolutely yeah. Great. Thank you, Wendy, Freddie and Martin, for talking about Love Africa. If you want to know more, there is a dedicated website where you will get updates, where you can learn a bit about the projects, about the projects we're going to support. And the URL is www.loveafrica.org.uk. That's one word, Love Africa. So www.loveafrica.org.uk. Thank you.